Welcome listeners to Maddox Sessions. I'm over the moon to welcome Sope Agabalusi from Mindset Shift, an organization that is here to help clients create a culture that is suited to meet the demands of the 21st century workplace, um, helping them with leadership, but also empowering techniques. How are you doing, Sophie? I'm doing really well today, Jordan. It's been a good day so far, and I'm looking forward to having this conversation with you. Nice. So we will be discussing um, the role of introverted leaders and sort of really discussing what that means now, but also what can we learn um, from introverted and sort of comparing it to extroverted. So before we provide and get into that sort of full discussion, um, I guess it would be good to just hear your thoughts on what's going on right now. Um, You know, we are in lockdown. Um, We are all at home. Um, So how do you sort of handle what's going on? What are your thoughts on what's going on? Um, And then, yeah, just sort of get into it from there. I think for me, um, it all starts with um, a bit of perspective, really. And that's that's how I I tend to approach all situations. Right now, it's chaotic. It's uncertain. There are people who are affected. There are loved ones who, unfortunately, have lost their lives. Um, I've had a couple of people who are close to me um, pass away. So it wasn't mm. something that you expected to be dealing with um, at this time, to be honest. But at the same time, I'm very hopeful because I see it as a reset that kind of needed to happen in a way. There are so many mm. things that we've talked about from society's perspective, I have to do with um, climate change, to do with working from home practices, to do with even people just being completely disengaged. And this, yeah. in a sense, feels like a very weird, expensive, crazy experiment as to what happens if you flip things completely all the way around what yeah. how are people gonna how are people gonna cope with just being indoors how are people gonna cope with working from home how are people gonna cope with actually treating people who are saving lives on the front line with the dignity and the respect that, that they haven't always received it's those yeah. kind of fundamentals that I see bobbing to the top, which is great to see. And I'm kind of like, that's great. We know we can do it as a society. We can do it as a human race. So why don't we do mm. this more often? And what do we need to do going forward to actually keep this kind of um, traits in our society just to make sure it's not just for this period and when it's over, it's something else. Actually, no, let's keep on respecting those people who are providing. Let's actually look after them financially because they're putting in the hours and doing a lot of good work. Let's see what we can do. Yeah in terms of flexible practices and overall let's people move away from definitions of their job titles because that's one of the biggest things for me that's come out of this a lot of people have felt yeah. so lost from football players who depression rates have gone through through the roof because they're not they're not having the adulation of the crowd anymore to just people who have actually mm-hmm. lost their jobs their job titles because that's what they identified as it's what do you do when you take away that title who who are you who are you about what so that self-awareness piece is critical because when you know that down you're good yeah absolutely and I think just taking a step back going to I guess you're quite positive and hopeful comments in regards to this is a moment to reset obviously everything um you know everything's sort of gone on pause at the moment and we're adapting and it would be interesting obviously to hear on your side sort of what what do you think is 
the best steps that we could do individually to sort of reset ourselves because we're seeing the impact in the environment. We're seeing the impact in, you know, our relationship, um, flexibility, being able to work from home and sort of, as you sort of said, uncovering um, the things that were sort of pushed down in society and we didn't really want to talk about um, and sort of the frontline workers who aren't necessarily always praised, but now everyone is you know loving them and respecting them and as you said how do we ensure that we don't go back to that so how do we actually sort of reset our our mindset um how do we use this time to not only you know adapt to work and figuring out you know for some of our listeners how to manage their kids and you know still being productive at work and you know managing all that time but how do we reset ourselves in this period I think it's um, critical to, to spend time with yourself. Literally, as we're recording this right now, I'm doing a six-day piece on self-care and self-leadership on, mm. on LinkedIn. Um, and literally, it's breaking it down. And for me, my five steps have been, um, one, when I wake up in the morning, it's my routine is um, I have my devotional, so I spend some time praying. And then I exercise, um, I listen to some music, um, I do some journaling, that that can be throughout the whole day, for example. And then I round it off with just getting some clarity at the end of the day. And those kind of steps are critical. And for me, here's why they're critical, regardless whether we're in this period or not. When you take time out for yourself and you start the morning right, so like I said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christian, so I spend time praying. For people, it might be meditation or whatever. But before you pick up your phone and you start getting bombarded with emails with social media with the news and all that kind of stuff just focus on something completely different outside of the norm just switch off from that and just be like actually I'm going to have some time just to come all the way down to get some clarity of thought and to think now that makes a key difference because it takes you back to the core of who you are we have what let's say between 50 to 80,000 thoughts being coming at us every day that's a lot of thoughts. But until you actually bring your mind down and just like, no, I'm just going to chill, reflect, calm it all down and get some clarity, you never have any direction. Now, why that's critical for self-care is by doing acts of um, the praying, the exercising, which obviously has um, scientific evidence to prove with the dopamine effects in your brain and all that kind of stuff. That gets you a lot more calm, helps you with anxiety, helps you with depression, um music and journaling is key for me see when was when COVID-19 happened I went back in my journal and I started to go back over the incidents that I've gone through in my lifetime from um miscarriages for example to loss of a job to all those kind of things periods in my life where I thought I don't know what I'm going to do how am I going to get through this what's going to happen next and yeah. I just remembered that I got through those periods. I made it through and I went on some, and I've completely forgotten about them. And so many of us are like that. We have gone through so much in life that has helped us and built that internal resilience inside of us. But we have forgotten about those periods, and those episodes. That's why writing things down or if you listen to music, which can take you back to those good times, are brilliant. Because it reminds you that you know what, what, no matter what I'm going through right now, this too shall pass. I will get through this. And therefore, if I know that in my brain, 
that I can get through this, I start thinking different. I start acting differently. The way I approach my family is completely different. The way I approach my job, whether I have it or I don't anymore, is completely differently. Because I can be like, okay, I don't have a job anymore. I've lost my job. But I'm going to get up every morning, have a shower, put some clothes on, and job search. Like, that's the mentality that you reset when you start thinking about, I've got this in me. I can do this. And that's what makes yeah. a difference. Yeah, I when we were talking, I just, it kept sort of echoing this um, image in me that is sort of trying to create certainty and uncertainty. You know, there are mm. so many external factors and environments and situations, people, you know, so many things that can change in an instant and how we view certain things. But as you sort of said, there's certain activities that we can do ourselves to sort of create certainty, routine, um, the sense of sort of taking back control. And, you know, the five actions that you just shared were um, obviously really useful, but at the same time, it's something that obviously our listeners, you will have to try create that as a habit. Um, you mm. know, every, all the sort of advice that we hear these days, especially with COVID-19 and so forth, is like, do this, try that and do this. And it's like, there's so much information on how we can handle this situation um and it's just about sort of identifying the one that works with yourself and then actually creating a habit out of that um so I guess it would be good just um stemming off a bit further from of what you've said going back to sort of the core of who you are um and sort yeah. of having that awareness um can you share with our listeners um just a bit of insight i guess into how you see yourself um as an individual you know do you fall into that introverted extroverted are you sort of in the middle um and also sort of just share a, some quick insight into how that impacts your leadership um, in the terms of obviously positive things, negative things, stuff you've had to adapt. Um, yeah, sort of that identity and that core of who you are. Yeah, I think naturally I would say I'm an introvert. But um, as I <laughs> look through properly, I guess I'll say I'm a I'm an ambivert. So I'm a, I'm an extra of both, depending on what situation I'm in. But naturally speaking, I'm an introvert. I like my own space, even hence why I'd waking up early in the morning and just having that time before everything else. I like my own space. Um, I like small circles. I very distinctly between friendships and acquaintances, for example. So I have a very close knit circle of friends. I have a big acquaintance group, but I know the differences straight away. Um, the way I approach situations, I'm not the blow your lid, shouty kind of character. I'm more calm, observe, listen, ask questions, challenge you and help you get the answer for yourself kind of person. But then when you start exploring differences between introverts and extroverts, there are so many characteristics that cross over, which, which we're going to get down to um, in a bit. But I am a person who is unique and so is everyone else. And the reason why I say that is as much as we can try and label ourselves and science can try and label ourselves, that's why Carl Jung did the introvert extrovert thing. There are so many layers to us that it's just hard to put someone in a box. <laughs> you know I mean? It's just that you can't be like, you can't be one, one size doesn't fit all. 
we are just all completely different. However, the more you get to know yourself and you know, okay, I am more prone to be an introvert. Therefore, if I know that, how do I navigate in an extroverted world? How do I make sure that I don't let my introversion become a weakness? Because naturally speaking, as soon as you mention an introvert, people think, oh, you're a pushover, or people can walk all over you, or you don't have any um, leadership skills or those kind of things. That's what naturally comes to mind. But that's completely far from it. I mean, um, introverts, for example, are very resilient. They're thoughtful. They don't tend to dominate conversations. If you look at two opposing people right now, if you look at the way Donald Trump handled his press conferences, where he's very shouts at the, at the reporters if he doesn't get his way it's just like just making stop making up random stuff where people are looking like what are you talking about to um take angela merkel for example she comes from she's very quiet she's very reserved but she fills you with that confidence when she hits you with that technical knowledge and she has a science background not, not a lot of people know that but she doesn't load it in your face she just fills you with confidence when she steps up and she talks and she does what she needs to do she handles her business that's the difference you don't have to be shouty and loud. I've worked in industries which are very boisterous and they obviously come back in the, in the manufacturing industry, especially it's like, we need to, we need to be very aggressive. We need to be shouting and swearing to make sure our people are heard. And when I walked, when I walked in that industry, I, I was like, I was determined to not let that industry change me and change my personality. Cause I'm like, I know who I am and what I'm about. Therefore, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to shape this in this environment to suit me, not the other way around. And that made a fundamental difference. And people still ask me questions like, why? They couldn't quite figure it out. I mean, what my colleagues once said to me, like, I don't understand how it's possible that you are very successful in what you do because your personality does not suit this environment whatsoever. Um, because it me knowing my strengths, because there's... As we all know our strengths and our weaknesses, any strength that you use too much becomes a weakness. So I also know when to pull back and when to go into an extroverted mode whenever I need to, because there are times when that that is there and that is the one of you. Everyone has that side to them. It might be hidden deep, 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 but yeah. everyone, has, everyone has that side to them that when it needs to come out, it can come out. You just need to find a way yeah. to, to bring it out of you, that's all. <laughs> um when you were just sort of talking about obviously your experiences in um sort of the manufacturing world um and it you know sort of being the extroverted side you could say the more stereotypical being sort of shouty and loud and sort of as mm. you've highlighted so far you know you are um an ambient but introvert naturally but obviously <laughs> I can come out when I need to come out um sort of yeah. thing but how <laughs> how do you can you share um some experiences or instances on how you have been able to effectively manage a situation and sort of calm it down so you know when you know there are certain instances that you know I'm a naturally I would say an extroverted person but I have quite a few introverted friends and colleagues and I've seen many instances where they engage with an extroverted person, but they are somehow able to completely flip the switch and the script and, you know, turn it into a very calm conversation, which is kind of falling into the stereotype that introverts, as you sort of said, are this calming, 
thoughtful, reflective um, sort of thinking process. So I guess, yeah, can you share some tips and tricks from your own experiences on how you've, I guess, effectively managed to create that environment that you want as an introvert, you know, when you're faced with the shouty and the loud? <laughs> yeah, um, I'm getting... I'm flashing back to memories of being in in boardrooms um, with um, directors and VPs when things aren't quite going right, and then we're under a lot of pressure to deliver. Time's gone out the window, money's being wasted, and everyone is just absolutely in the room, just shouting at each other. But then yeah. you have two options: you can get involved and shout, and when you're both shouting, nothing has been heard. Something amazing happens when everyone is shouting and then you just pep up and you say have you thought about doing this or you ask a question which completely throws everyone off balance but because of the way you ask the question so right at me raising my voice and shouting out loud at you I'll say it in a very calm manner that throws you off like your brain can't process like yeah. <laughs> what's going up because you've been so high up all of a sudden, yeah. that person's voice not only brings you back down, but then the question they ask brings you back down. And then that gets everyone to just suddenly just calm down. And then you can start having a conversation. Because at that point in time, I remember um, one time, I think we were probably a month late and it was costing us probably about two million, two to three million roughly for every week we were, we were late. So we were like 12 million in the hole. And we're trying to, we're trying to pull it back. And everyone's going up and down, different suggestions are being thrown around, but nothing was really sticking because no one was completely talking to each other. So honestly, I just got up, I went to the board, and I wrote down five different suggestions that had been banned around the room. And they were still yeah. going back and forth. And I just turned around, went to the front of the table, looked at everyone while they were shouting at each other, and I said, excuse me, fellas, there's five options. Which one do you want to do? <laughs> And they, all, and they all look at me like, what, what are you talking about the five options? And they're like, we just talked about this. You guys have been talking about all these different options. Those are the five options. Which one do you want to do right now? Which one makes more sense? Which one's going to help mm -hmm. us get the time back, save us money, and produce the quality that we need? Which one of those? I'm not, and I didn't ask the expert in the room was the engineer at that point in time. Based on your experience, what do you think that's going to be? Cool. Ask him. The program manager, can we deliver that based on what he just said? Yeah. And he just kind of just took control using their idea, so they felt, in a sense, good, because at least you listed all their ideas on the board. But at the same time, you now start talking to them at an individual level rather than as a group session. And then yeah. they now start listening to each other, and then you can then plan and move forward. I think right now, especially when I talk to a lot of leaders, it's the what do we do when we don't know what's going on? What do we do when we're so uncertain? I'm like, well, yeah. I can go back to when I worked in finance in the recession. We, we just laid out a plan and we said, here's the short term, medium term and long term, worst case scenario. That is the worst that could happen. So now we're trying to do everything to avoid the worst that could happen, but we know what it could be. But by knowing that, it got the team in the mind frame that we know where we're headed and it gave them a sense of direction and purpose. We still didn't know what's going to happen day to day, but we had a plan that could be adapted and flexed in the best and worst possible way. And it made such a fundamental difference. But all of that comes from taking a step back and analysing the situation completely differently. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I think um, from you explaining that experience um, and that story that you've um, just said, I think the key thing is sort of just being able to listen, um, like actually being being able to listen to the shouty, for example, arguments, you know, understand what's being said and be able to break it down um, to actually move forward and provide that solution. Um, I guess it would be interesting just sort of following on from that, because obviously we are at home now. And as you've sort of said, the leaders are sort of saying, how how can we do this with so much uncertainty? But I guess the flip side of um, another flip side of the question is like, how can we how can we ensure that we are staying calm and actually effectively supporting our teams? The fact that we're not seeing them now. You know, the experience that you shared, um, you know, you were in the boardroom together. Obviously, there um, a certain extent of sort of body language played a part and obviously being able to look at them and so forth. But now we don't have that, you know, we are relying on being online constantly and, you know, with huge organizations that has, you know, maybe multiple people in the in the hierarchy. How can you is there any advice that you can provide on how you can sort of ensure that that doesn't happen like online so for example as this you know let's do a stereotypical hierarchy as a ceo you know you might um take the approach that you've just explained but then maybe the um vice president or the director of a certain department doesn't do that you know as a leader how can you sort of provide that insight of calmness um and yeah, sort of creates creating some sort of calmness among your entire team and organization. Now, as using your example as the CEO, mm. what you would have done is you'd have taken your first line team, for example, when all of this was happening and said, right, listen, I know this might not be natural or easy for some for some of you, but right now, humanity needs to come first. And what that mean, what I mean by that is that relational aspect needs to come first. It's not a time mm. for you to do what you have always done, react in the way you've always reacted. Now is the time for you to actually try as much as possible to listen and to yeah. connect with people that you are talking to. Because if you want to get the best out of them and want them to be the most productive, that is yeah. what really needs to happen. And you're going to the reason why you lead by example, because when you as a CEO are leading the way and you're being vulnerable with not only with your team, but you can actually do it for, for the wider group and be like, here's where we are. Here's what we're going through. Here's my approach to the situation. It starts planting seeds in their minds because a lot of times, a lot of the managers and the different levels, they all follow the pattern of what their seniors are doing, because that's what they've seen as the example and that's what it's seen as helped those people get their promotions and therefore they emulate that but if you lead completely differently it triggers something in the mind that okay this is not how this guy normally is normally if, if he if that leader isn't the case therefore we need to do yeah. something differently actually we are in desperate times right now and if my if as a leader i'm talking to you one-to-one -one, for example and i spend that time with you and you've had that meeting with me when you're not going to lead other teams you're going to remember that 
because I've led by example. I've only just said it to you. I won't. I've only just said it to the group of you guys. I've also met you one on one as my next line and spoken to you, spent time with you, been vulnerable, been real with you. You will want to pass that on to other people because the impact Allah had on you. That's what yeah. leaders need to be doing, not sending out generic emails or all that kind of stuff. That's that's that was pre-covid <laughs> you know what i mean that was, was like march march february times right about now all of that doesn't cut it you need people to you need people to be real and that starts yeah. from the top because when you do that it flows all the way downwards because i can then talk to you about home i can talk to you about my insecurity i can talk to you about my output my productivity my kids or whatever is is plaguing my mind for example and by me having all that information having that conversation with you it actually helps the team to not only work better, but it actually builds trust. And when you're working remotely, trust is the biggest thing above everything else. And therefore, if you can build that trust with your people, you're good. You're in a very, very good position. And they will love and respect you for it. Even when all this is over, because it could be like, that person was there for me and met me in a completely different way, which I wasn't expecting, but they met yeah. me in my need. And therefore, I want to repay that. Um, that was, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's definitely, um, this is definitely not the time for generic emails or blanket emails. So any leaders that are listening right now, please stop doing that. Um, and <laughs> going back to, um, I think it was a really important point that you've just highlighted about sort of creating that trust. Um sort of create showcasing some sort of vulnerability um with your team but I guess something that would be good to hear from yourself is sort of how what would be your advice to those that that is just not their nature you know there are just it's just not them at all and it's you know this sort of going back to what we were speaking about before and sort of um knowing who you are in the core of you and obviously understanding that some you will have to break down the walls in certain instances but any advice specifically in regards to obviously this period that we're in right now us being online and any advice on the first steps leaders could take to I guess break down those walls with their team and create further trust this might sound really harsh Go oh, on. It's not about you. <laughs> it's not. It's yeah. not. It's not about you. It, it really is. Is it's. It's that simple. And <laughs> because in the, the day, you are in a position for a reason. You wanted that position, and you've got it. You've got the accolades. You've had the power on the seniority that's come with that position, and primarily speaking even though it hasn't always always been the case, your people and your staff should come first. And that means you have to do things which are going to be uncomfortable. Which be, you're going to have to do things and model behaviours which might not necessarily come natural to you. But you need to do it. Because everyone has that side to them. When I um, talk a lot about leadership it wasn't based on what I learned um in, in work it was based on what I learned from from home from I got um I got married when I was um, 22 for example when I had a kid when I was very young and those mm -hmm. kind of traits with um, my wife with my kids and all that kind of stuff 
I took that and what I learned from home into work. And it made such a yeah. massive difference because I wasn't focused on profit and all that. That came naturally. I was focused on people. And mm-hmm. when and that also made me stepping out of my comfort zone. I did it at home and then I did it at work. So even getting behind a camera, for example, is not natural to a lot of leaders. But the other day I saw um, the CEO of Marriott, I forget what his name is, he's currently undergoing cancer. So his people told him, don't get, don't get behind the camera. You look awful. Like, that's literally what they, that's what they said to him. You look really, really, look really awful because of the cancer. And if people see that, and with COVID, people are gonna get worried. And he's like, no, people need to hear my voice. And he got behind the camera screen for four and a half minutes, and he told, I think I got forty or fifty thousand people worldwide, and he told them, here's what we're doing. It's uncertain. It's scary. It's, and he just basically laid it all out and he was so vulnerable. Laid it out. For I them. think he had one of the highest message count on, on the video he put up everywhere. People who did not work at Marriott were messaging him, yeah. messaging the company because it was just so raw. He's like, yeah. I understand what my team is saying. I understand how I look. But I know my people need to see me and hear my voice. And this is not necessarily natural to me either. But it's what they needed. That is what leadership's about. It's not about you. It's about the people that are in your care. When you get that in your mind that this is not about me, it's about my people, and therefore I'm going to have to do something, it completely flips the script. It changes that mindset. And then here's the flip side to that, where it actually helps you out personally. Once you've done Mm. it once, you get better at it. You start building that side of you, which you never thought you had which for whatever reason has been hidden all this time, it gives you a way, a different way of approaching people. So you come out of this with a complete different set of skills that you went into it. And that's Mm. your growth. That's your personal growth. So by you actually caring about other people, you're also growing and developing. And that's the flip side to it. Yeah, uh, that is, it's very true. And I think um, just stemming off is obviously by your self growth as well. And actually putting yourself out there, you understand your teams more you understand the processes more and obviously that enables you to actually create an environment that is productive innovative because you can't do that without knowing um Hmm. and I think mentioned it sort of throughout is that self-awareness um as being a key thing as well um that you've obviously got to be self-aware of yourself but as a leader you've got to understand your people you know it's not just about you you've put yourself in that position you've got to look after your employees in all senses um so I guess just um once again going back to the point of this you know these um this not necessarily being your comfort zone and pushing yourself out there um so we've sort of spoken about breaking it down and sort of getting online putting yourself with your team what would be I guess your um not short term, but not long term, I guess, midterm um, pl- advice for leaders to continue this throughout this uncertain period, because the way things are going in the UK, you know, it looks like we'll still be inside for a couple of weeks. Um, yeah. But at the same time, that could extend, please, I really, really hope it's not, touch wood, um, <laughs> but it could extend until July. But then mm. at the same time, we could get, you know, they're doing the testi- testing for the vaccines. We could get that once again. 
please happen um, by the end of the week. And then, you know, within three weeks, we're all getting back to work. And it's like, with all of those different scenarios, what is that, you know, going back to that creating certainty in uncertainty with yourself, what would you say is that sort of mid midterm goal and advice for this sort of coming weeks where it could literally go any way? I think for me, it goes back to focusing on what you can control, not what you can't. Because by trying to focus on what you cannot control, you will drive yourself and those around you absolutely crazy. And that will actually (laughs) then lead into fear and anxiety and you will end up in hospital not because of COVID-19 but because you Mm -hmm. have just focused on uncertainty so Mm. whether we're in the short or medium term it's right about now I need to one look after myself which you already talked about to make sure that those in my immediate care are good so whether that be your if you've got family or you've got kids those are good your um, extended family around you those people are good and then if you're leading teams or running a company running a startup for example it's making sure that they're also good so things have been organized like um check-in sessions at the start a lot of people a lot of companies put them up and then as we've this will end up longer and longer and longer than people expected they've kind of died down but the funny yeah. thing even though they have died down the fear and worry and anxiety of people generally hasn't died down so it's making sure that those things are still in place it's actually i have Mm. i'm leading a team of 10 people for example so on on a monday tuesday wednesday i'm going to speak to you three at this time and we'll we'll put it in and you and if we just want to come in and you're like are you good yeah no are you really really good like what's what's going on not just uh yeah i'm good and that's it have a conversation with them. It could last for five minutes because some people yeah. just they want to call, they want to talk, and they want they just want the opportunity to be able to have it if they need it. And some people utilize it, but that you can put in for for the short to medium term to when we go back in, for example. And actually, after that, that actually helps. Focusing on work, it's how you approach work that's also key. So mm-hmm. I've always been a very very big advocate of output over everything else because if we've got a deliverable for next week friday i don't want to be on your neck and saying have you done it i've done it yet you know what a deliverable is i trust you enough to be responsible to handle that therefore if you choose during the day to look after your kids and then at night time at 2 a.m in the morning you want to get the work done and you deliver on time great I'm not, I'm not tripping about it. I don't, you don't need to be logged in during the nine to five hours because it's about the work because you can be logged in at nine to five, but you're completely distracted because you've got other responsibilities. Therefore you can't focus anyway. And you'd rather be able to focus on that and then work a completely different time. Look, I don't mind, but it's having that flexibility, but having that relationship where you can talk to your leaders and be like, I need this right now. Yeah. And people are like, okay, that makes a difference. So those are the kind of things that you start to do. And the third one that I actually talked to a friend of mine yesterday is we used to have so many meetings for meeting's sake. 
and a lot of them have died down, which is brilliant. And it yeah. really makes you think that like, why we <laughs> do why why did we have that meeting in the first place? Like literally, it was just a waste of time. But now it's like because people are trying to limit the amount of time you spend <laughs> online, it's we're just going for the essentials as much as possible, and that I think is something that we will need to carry on. And leaders especially need to start thinking about from now that actually, what can we do to make sure that the good side or the good things we've seen stays mm. in place? Because I'm sure our people yeah. will appreciate not having to be in a meeting when it doesn't need, they don't need to be there. They're just wasting their time or just ticking a box. But when we get our people to focus on, put their families first, which helps them, then output, which helps us because then yeah. they're, they're delivering what they need to deliver. Everyone wins. They're happier at home. They're happier in their job because you're flexible, but you are still carrying on as a business and you're still getting delivery. So everyone is happy. So why haven't we thought about this? Why haven't we done this for so long? Don't know. I couldn't agree more. Um, and there's definitely like a lot of um, content out there, um, obviously in the professional sense, but also in the humor sense of meetings. Um, and now that we're, completely digital it's just we're really seeing what meetings don't matter and you know in the first couple of weeks um you know you're scheduling the meetings virtually and then you realize within eight minutes you're done but somehow mm. in the face it was going on for 30 40 minutes um so <laughs> That's just one thing that you've highlighted um, across the board, but I think it's, um, as you sort of said, really about ensuring that we are able to learn the good things um, and obviously keep them going once we, I don't want to say get back to normal because the normal has completely gone, but, you know, once we get out mm, of lockdown, the new normal. we've got a new normal um, and I think it's <laughs> everything that you've shared um, really sort of highlights how we sort of all have a responsibility, um, especially our leaders, sort of to take that role, um, take control of the situation as much as possible. There is so much uncertainty. And that example that you gave of the Marriott CEO, um, just that raw honesty, that's something that everyone will always connect with, sort of regardless of the situation. So I think it's just for the leaders, um, you know, listening from this, it's just sort of really ensure that you are putting yourself out there with your team. And as you've said, it's it's not about you. Um, and um, as we just um, summarized, I guess, the podcast, um, it would be great to hear from yourself, just some um, parting words for our listeners. Um, and also, obviously, you are um, managing director of an organization that assists entire businesses and leaders um to help with this and obviously you were existing before covid and doing amazing work before then but obviously you've also adapted to now so the, you know it's very timely to sort of share your insight with the leaders that are out there so it would be great to also hear how they can hear from you um follow up with you you know what sort of platforms are you sharing um i've seen that you are a medium writer as well um so yeah just um share with our listeners how they can continue to engage with your insight um yeah definitely they can um find me on linkedin so linkedin is probably where i am most active at the moment to be honest um, just type it in my name. It's um, S-O-P-E. 
A-G-B-E-L-U-S-I, and you find me on there. And then I'm also on Medium as well, under the same name. And on Instagram, I'm doing a number of um, live interviews with people, um, other leaders, other coaches, and just talking generally as to what's going on right now, as to how they they see the future panning out in a new normal, as we're calling it anyway. So they can check me out on there as well. So on Instagram, it's under live your quotes. You will find me there as well. Nice. Um, thank you so much for your time. Um, and thank you for our listeners. Um, and what space for more insight coming at you. Thank you, Sophie. Thanks, Jordan. Sweet to you. Bye.